It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Cavalry Audio. I'm Clint Emerson, and welcome to season two of Can You Survive This Podcast, where the interview is just as dangerous as the scenarios I put my guests through. From hostage situations to natural disasters, carjackings, active shooters, and more, if you're looking for the skills necessary to survive these situations, then this is the show for you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Can You Survive This Podcast, and uh, I always appreciate you guys listening, all five of you. I mean, I'm just kidding. Can you believe we're up to like 30, 50,000 downloads and we're in the point five top point five percent of podcasts out there, and we wouldn't have been able to do it if it wasn't for you, so I appreciate that. I appreciate your comments. I appreciate any stars you want to give us. I'll even take one star. Most people wouldn't say that, but I don't really care. I think it's all good as long as you're uh, giving us feedback. It's constructive, and we can make the show better. Um, And then, once again, I got to hit Gators, Gators eyewear, these things I've got on my face. People are always asking about them. It's only a .5 reader, uh, but, man, I tell you, I can actually see things again. They're custom-made by Gators, Gators Eyewear. It's what you see every seal on the terminal list on Amazon wearing, which was written by my good buddy Jack Carr, who's been on the show. And it's also what every seal is wearing on the TV show Seal Team on in CBS here in the United States. And I say that because today I've got a guest that's overseas. She's a badass. She's like this fucking ninja hardcore... You don't see her until she's slapping you in the face. She's uh, an Australian motorsports host. She's a journalist. And she's one of three SAS Australia winners, completers. What? Rihanna, welcome to the show. What the hell do they call you when you finish SAS, when you actually make it to the end? <laughs> oh, hey, Clint. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I don't know what they call us. Like Everyone always says that. What did you win? And I'm like... Nothing. <laughs> you know what I want? I want a lifetime of scars on my legs. <laughs> but, um, I don't yeah, know. That's what true. I say? We passed selection, which was uh, which was so yeah, so overwhelming and um, a very big surprise. But yeah, we were just talking off air. It's been um, it's nearly a year that coming up to us being on the show and where we obviously met. Um, and it's crazy. Time time just flies. Life just goes by so quickly. It does. It's, it's, I, you know, I, I can't even, you know, the show in itself was like a blur because, you know, we're going nonstop for 14, 15 days straight. 
and then you come home and there's almost this little bit of uh me and ollie talked about it when we had him on the show there was this like subtle depression that kicked in once we all went back to our countries or homes and you're like oh fuck what do i do now right i mean did you did you have any of that like where you missed that camaraderie and 100 percent. and i think i've spoken about this before and i'm sure you would have experiences throughout your career like when i've done big tv shows or when i've done like a big event like um you know even running a marathon or, or an ironman or something like that you have this huge build up with, with your training and your whole focus is on something and then you have all that adrenaline when you when you've completed the task that you've done and then this there's this yeah there's genuine lull and i know that um i've spoken about it with some of the the guys that i do training with is that you have this genuine feeling of and I don't want to say depression because it's not, I don't think it's that extreme, but a genuine feeling of, you know, like, okay, well, what's next? And and no one wants to talk about it anymore. It's only me that wants to talk about it. And, and kind of, yeah, it's a definite feeling that you experience post a big burst of adrenaline. And and yeah, 100%, um, I felt that after the after the show ended, um, you know, when, when so much is in in that experience but then it was a little odd because obviously you know the show is not filmed live so you can't we couldn't really talk about it or discuss it with with anyone and it took what was it like a good four months five months before it actually went on television here in australia so you know there's a long period of time where you've got this built up like i just want to tell people what happened but i can't uh, (laughs) yeah yeah, you couldn't odd experience that's good i mean you couldn't tell anybody that you actually won right i mean yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, my husband knew because you know yeah, you <laughs> we, spoke, <laughs> we spoke when uh, when the show <laughs> finished. But um, I hadn't told I hadn't told anyone um, at all about about passing. I think people sort of gathered that I did pretty pretty well. Um, yeah, and it kind of actually. So in Australia at the time, we were in we were still dealing with the COVID, and we had lockdowns and quarantine in Australia. So it actually helped a little bit because after I'd finished the show, um, I had to go and do two weeks of quarantine before I was allowed back um, to my home. So that kind of was a good grace period. I forgot about that. Yeah. So it was in a way, (laughs) I think it was, it was a good thing. Um, I mean, because it meant that I didn't have to go home directly and tell people, you know, people couldn't guess that I was home. Um, And it also allowed me to just like, sleep and eat and like rest because we were smashed like I was and I'm sure we'll talk about this later but like physically mentally everything and I'm glad I had that time of two weeks where I could literally just not have to talk to anyone you know like catch my breath and then go back home and 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 get back into normal life right you need that decompression moment so you don't uh yeah so you don't so you don't go crazy entering the real world again yeah as usual, we're going to start with your rapid fire, you know, yep. and it gives you an opportunity to circle back around to the why and we get to know you and warm up. Um, so here we go. Okay, so I think I got this 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 verbiage right because you guys call it something different, but super eight or super bikes. <laughs> so supercars, which are V8 supercars or bikes, um, cars. The cars. Oh, all right. Um, cold or hot? Oh, hot, 100%. <laughs> the beehive or under a boat? Where would you rather um, be? <laughs> I'm going to say beehive. <laughs> You're the only one. <laughs> um, on the track or on the beach? Uh, beach. Yeah. Ooh, look at you. Uh, dancing, because I know you got that in your background, or an Iron Man. 
Oh God, that's tough. Um, yeah. For right now, I'm going to say Iron Man. For right now. Okay. You can circle down and tell the why. Okay. Uh, Five-star hotel or the barracks? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. A hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Um, a Michelin-rated restaurant or a campfire and dinner in the outback? Oh, I'm going to say... Forget the outback. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. Okay. That was pretty much painless. Um, so, yeah. so I got it wrong. So, super. I thought Super Eight was equivalent to NASCAR. What do you What do you call it? So, so, okay. So in Australia, it's it was originally called the V Eight Supercars because they were V Eight Supercar. That's it. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, now it's just called Supercars. Long story doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's I suppose for us in Australia, that would be our version of a NASCAR. Um, yeah. Different, but. For the for the purpose of this, yeah, similar, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. I'm no it's, expert, it's the, so it's the it's the top tier national car racing championship in Australia. So the the, the top you can get, yeah. Right, um, yeah. but the cars they're using are a lot like NASCAR type cars, right? Or are they form um, they're not formula cars, are they? Well, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're I mean they're based off a traditional Ford. Um, Ford and a Holden in Australia. Like that's sort of the traditional cars here. Um, yeah. It's evolving as we're going, but yeah, NASCAR is probably a bit more like all the cars are very, very much the same car. Whereas in Australia, there's still discrepancies with different teams. Like you can still um, uh, develop certain things differently. Oh, okay. But we're moving towards a more um, unified category if that makes sense yeah yeah that makes sense so nascar for years it's all about the driver and his abilities to drive because all the cars are supposedly <laughs> all equal yeah, yeah. Yes. okay yeah. So, so in australia like we've i mean there's ford and holden um but within within that different teams have um their own abilities to develop certain parts of the car so there are discrepancies so there's you know ah. there's a big factor between team uh, mechanics and driver but as as sort of like the world's going on and we're trying to cost cut and all that sort of stuff we are actually about to bring out a new car next year where it's a lot more um level playing fields for the car interesting yeah and <laughs> you've done you've done both supercars and super bikes and when i say that i mean you have been down in the pits and reporting yeah. and yeah. being a basically a super motorsport you know, commentary, host, you name yeah. it, right? So you pick. So the the super bikes is that something you did in the past, and now you're doing supercars or vice versa? Yeah. yeah. So I started with the cars, and then I did with the bikes, and then I'm back with the cars. I mean, I love all motorsport. Like I, I watch all Formula One, IndyCar, you know, supercars, MotoGP. Like I, I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of all of them. But I suppose yeah. for me, supercars has been like my bread and butter here in Australia. It's where I've, I said, like I've really developed my career and that's probably like where my heart lies. That's cool. Okay. Um, and then cold versus hot. You picked hot. Yes. <laughs> you just I rather, hate <laughs> you hate the cold. I hate the cold. I like to call myself, like I, I am a sun person. I need heat. I need sun. <laughs> I hate winter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I'm guessing on SAS, like the cold parts just, didn't work well for you 
No, I hated it. And, and then I think I was watching uh, the UK version and I saw there in the snow at some point and I'm just like, fuck that. That is not for me. You know, the, the times on our series where there was like one in particular where we did a beasting like late at night and we were in the, the ice in the, the boats. Oh, yeah. And we were all just like. That was probably the coldest I've ever been in my life. And I honestly thought, like, are we going to die? <laughs> are we going to freeze to death? That was the uh, the night where they said, hey, Clint, you're the Navy SEAL. Do the whole Navy SEAL buds thing one night. And I was like, okay, fill yeah. up the boats with ice water. That's yeah. where we yeah. start. Yeah. That's and where I we think, finish. And it would be, it wouldn't be as difficult if you knew that when you got back to camp you could have a warm shower you know you could put on your warm clothes but it's the fact that you've got to go back to camp essentially wash yourself in fucking cold water out of a tap and then stand by the fire and once again dry your clothes for the 20th time that day you know like, oh, that's yeah it's annoying it is it is yeah. it takes a special kind of person or a really dumb person to get through it. We'll, we'll, but I think you're special, so we'll just go with that. Um, on the track or on the beach, you kind of you picked on the beach. You'd rather be on vacation than working. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, look, I love the beach, but then it also, I feel like I have these horrible, like, PTSD memories of running in that soft sand with those fucking boots on. And it's like, I think running in soft sand, I don't know if there's many equivalent things that are, are, are as difficult as running in soft sand when you're wet and you have heavy clothes on. Like it's from the outside, it's, it actually doesn't look that hard, but it's fucking hard. <laughs> it's really hard. No, you make, you make a, I mean, if you talk to a lot of seals that have gone through buds where we spend a majority of our time cold, wet, and sandy, They'll tell you the same thing. That soft sand will suck every bit of morale out of you. It'll suck the fucking energy out of you. I mean, those soft sand, those soft sand runs, without a doubt, for me personally, were like the biggest challenge. Anytime I knew we had like this, you know, crazy. We, I think it was one day we had to do a 15 mile soft sand run, and I was like, oh my god, like yeah. I am not gonna make it because <laughs> as soon as my foot hit the yeah. sand. I felt like I was, I'd already run 10 miles, right? Yeah. It's so strange psychologically for me. When I get on soft sand, the first step feels like I've already been running on it for 10 fucking miles. I can't stand it. And it's, um, you know, like it's high heart rate. Like your, your heart rate is spiking right from the outset. doesn't matter how fit you are. And it's particularly, you know, anyone can probably run on the beach if they're in the bathers and no shoes. But like when you're on the beach with huge, you know, heavy boots, boots heavy yeah. pants and every time you roll around in the sand your pet like your pockets like you have like probably half a kilo of sand in each pocket <laughs> yeah. and you're getting weighed down by all this you know and it's yeah it's hard that those days were, were they were hard they were tough yeah well the trick in buds is you got to cut your pockets out so everything yeah. flows through right well no one told us that little <laughs> trick <laughs> well that's on you to figure out um so yeah okay you picked on the beach which surprised me okay um dancing which is you got a background in dancing mm -hmm. and then iron man you picked iron man go ahead and tell us why um look both of them it's funny because dancing was a big part of my life for a long period of time as a as a kid and as a teenager um like i i danced for probably a good 16 17 years of my life 
Um, but I suppose so your parents, like, your, your parents let you dance as a child on a pole. <laughs> no, I'm not just sure I'm at least 12. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of dancing did you do? Um, so I grew up doing, uh, like jazz, tap, ballet, acrobats. Um, oh, wow. so, so like a whole, the whole range. And, and I was pretty good. Like, I I could did you do... compete? You comp you're competitive? Yeah, yeah competed yeah. And, and did um, did all my sort of, I don't know what the equivalent is in, in the States, but like over here, there's a, um, yeah, you do exams. So it's sort of like similar to school. So every year you do um, different exams and, and I did competitions and I, and I traveled around Australia performing um, for different um, shows. And yeah, so I was, I was pretty good. <laughs> to yeah. But I suppose now it's kind of like I'm in a different phase of my life where um, I've, I've, you know, learned, well, I've started doing triathlons and I, and I love it and I have such passion um, as, you know, for triathlon as a hobby. Um, and then last year I did my first Ironman, which um, for people who don't know, and I don't know the conversions for miles, but um, it's a 3.8-kilometre swim, 180-kilometre bike, and then a, a marathon to finish, a marathon run. So yeah. Um, it's, it's a big day, a big day of continuous exercise. And, you know, I, I did six months of training for it last year, um, and to do, to do my first Ironman and, and my goal in my head was just tick the box. I wanted to do it. I wanted to have that experience. I wanted to cross the finish line and, and say, I am an, an, I am an Ironman, um, and what was, was your time? What was your well, time? Well, look, I'm slow. It took me 13 hours and, ah, and that nice. was kind of what I expected. I, I really, in the end, I just wanted to finish it. I just wanted to essentially say I had that experience and I can officially say I'm an Ironman and I have my, my medal. <laughs> to, yeah, to prove it. that is a big deal. That is a big deal. Um, and, and yeah, and, and I, it was, you know, up there with one of the best experiences of my life because I made that commitment to myself. I, I dedicated myself in the training. I didn't miss a session um, for six months and, and I did it. And it was a real, like, I don't know. It was, I was, a, it was a real, I was very proud of myself that I was able to, to do that because I'm not an athlete. Um, and it was just, uh, it was more of a mental, a mental game to push myself through and then push myself through that day. And, and so, yeah, like that, that for me was, was one of the best experiences of my life. Um, and so, yeah, that's why I say Ironman. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's great. And, uh, you are an athlete. If you're finishing Ironmans <laughs> and you are winning the, you know, SAS, uh, selection course, you're an athlete. Um, <laughs> on the Ironman though, just before we move on, what was the most difficult for you? Was it the swim, the run or the, the bike? Um, for me, the run, I've never been a particularly good runner, um, and something, it's something I, I really have to, to work for. Like I, I get so envious of people, my brother, for example, who can like not really do much running training and then go and run a marathon. And I'm just like, fuck, like, how do you do that? I, I can't, <laughs> I, I have to really work. I have to really train. Um, yeah. and, and I had some injuries in the, in the lead up. So I wasn't able to do the amount of running I wanted to do. Um, so yeah, definitely the run has always been my most difficult part of the, the three <laughs> yeah mine uh was once i got on the bike anytime i yeah. got on the bike because uh, you're spent already you know yeah. and i uh i just sucked on the bike as soon as there's hills <laughs> it's like hills are like soft sand i'm like oh fuck yeah, you know i can't yeah. i can't do this yeah. um, I, think, I think an iron man 
um, is something you really find, I mean, different for you. You've done so many things in your career, but like you really find uh, out about yourself. Like you're, oh, in, yeah. you know, you're on particularly race day, like you're, you are by yourself, not talking to anyone for, for the best part of, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 hours, like sitting on a bike for six hours with no conversation apart from the demons that you're battling in your head to go, you've only got another hundred kilometers to ride. Like, and then you have to run a marathon. Like you really like you go into some pretty dark holes. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. Um, okay. Five star or the barracks you picked five star. What, yes. you do? what was so let's start with the barracks though living with all those folks <laughs> there were some uh, there were some annoying habits right what was kind of some of the things that was like oh my god i can't believe i'm here with these people um i suppose for me when like particularly the first couple of days i'm i'm not a particularly um like i'm quite I'm, I'm a real introvert, like despite what I do for my job, which is standing in front of thousands of people and talking live on camera, I'm actually a real introvert. And, and I feel like I'm quite shy when I, when it's around people I don't know. So those first couple of days, I, I really like just kind of, you know, kept to myself and, and didn't really, you know, say too much and didn't want to rock the boat too much. And, and then obviously as you start to get to know people and they get to know you, you know, I sort of came out of my shell a little bit. Um, the thing that I'm a, I'm a tidy person. I like organization. I like clean, you know, clean areas. And I mean, and they, they didn't show it, but every morning when we left the camp, I would go to everyone's beds and pull their dunas up and place their pillows so that we were all uniform and all exactly the same. Cause it just like did my head in that there was people that were messy i'm like how can you like just pull you better like how, how yeah. do you like i don't know and i think i remember hearing someone talk about if you make your bed in the morning like it just it sets you up for the day and how someone could ever leave their house not making their bed this blows my mind but yeah so i'm like, with I, you yeah i didn't like i didn't like people who left mess um i didn't like that kind of stuff and then obviously as the days unfolded and people got more hungry and more tired and more, you know, like annoyed at each other. Um, you know, there was obviously particular people who certainly I felt um, it wasn't so much doing things, wasn't so much making mistakes because we all made mistakes and none of us were perfect. And we, and, and we certainly, no one got through the show without doing something wrong, but it was more the fact that I, there was, I believe there was people in there that were doing things on purpose to, stir the pot or like, you know, that kind of, and that gave me the shits. Cause I'm like, we're all here for a particular reason. And you're kind of just like taking the piss. Yeah. Oh, do you think that because they knew it's, you know, when you're in it, you forget a little bit about the fact that it's a TV show. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah. But do you think some folks, maybe you know, it was always in the back of their mind and they thought, well, if I create some drama, maybe I'll get more press when this thing comes out. Oh, hundred uh, percent. I, I, I <laughs> yeah. There were like, right. some people who had, you know, a, a, an agenda when they came on, and just knew that the way. Look, it, it's probably the most real reality TV show there is on television in Australia. Like in terms of, there's very little manipulation from a producer or a director or that sort of stuff. But it's still, at the end of the day, a reality TV show, and you know. Yeah drama and you know villains and all that sort of stuff you know always come to the fold so i certainly think there was people in there who had an agenda in the back of their mind which i don't know how because i was too busy just trying to fucking survive like i didn't think about 
what I might look like in, you know, four months time when this comes out on TV. Yeah. No, you did great though. And, uh, yeah, you made some good points. The biggest one is it's a, it's a selection first and a TV show second. And even here in the States, I mean, I don't know that you'd get away with that show in the States, like running it that way where four guys are in charge of these, you know, what close to 20 celebrities and then just running it. And, uh, with, you know, we're not getting, you know, it's not like we're getting a bunch of, uh, direction either from producers and stuff. We're just truly running it as if it's a selection course and making yeah. sure you guys are miserable. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's probably the hardest. Um, and the most common question from people was like, Oh, how real was it? Or, you know, and it's like, no, it is, it, that's what, if anything, it was harder than what the TV showed. Like I believe, because there was, you know, they're obviously trying to fit 24 hours of the day into, you know, just a couple of hours at night. So things have to get cut out, but, um, yeah, you know, lots of things that, you know, we spoke about, um, post post show with some of the other recruits, like for fuck's sake, they made us do this and they never even showed it. Like what was the point? Of that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I think it, it, it was certainly harder than what it was portrayed as a, t- you know, on TV. Um, and, and yeah, like trying to explain to people that there was no director or producer standing there going, Oh, you know, shoot that again, or like poke you and prod you like, Oh, you know, do this, do this, do this. It was just like, as soon as the camera rolled on day one, like it didn't stop rolling until, you know, until the, the final day. And, and yeah, yeah. Ma- <laughs> it amazing. Was it's a, it's an amazing concept, amazing format. You know, the way it's broken out is just so cool and uh, definitely a lot of fun. Hey, this is Clint Emerson, retired Navy SEAL. I get a lot of questions about my morning routine. So here it is in a nutshell. 5 a.m., wake up. First cup of coffee, I dump Bub's Naturals MCT oil in there. And then I mix it around with one of those little automatic stir spoon thingies that make it all frothy and creamy. And then my second cup, I dump Bub's Naturals collagen in there. Now, the reason I do both is the first one, MCT, fuels my brain. It gets me up, allows me to focus on whatever I've got going on. The second cup of coffee has collagen, which honestly, it's like lubrication for my joints. It makes my neck and my shoulders, my left hip and my left knee feel pretty damn good. And it wasn't until I went over to Australia that I realized that this stuff really does work. I was overseas for about 45 days. And in the first week, I wasn't so focused in the morning. In fact, I was a little foggy. And my neck was hurting. My shoulders were hurting. And I thought to myself, eh, it's just jet lag. Different pillow, a different mattress. And then it dawned on me, I don't have my bubs with me. The day I got back to the States, I immediately started back up, and within a week of being home, I was focused again, my joints didn't hurt, and I was like, holy, I can tell you that Bub's Naturals works. Great for your skin and hair, by the way. Everything feels good. Unlike a lot of supplements out there, it actually works, and that's the key takeaway here. It works. I'm telling you you will notice a difference. Check out bubsnaturals.com and order some MCT and collagen now. And don't forget to use promo code Can You Survive. Okay, last one, a Michelin-rated restaurant versus campfire dinner. 
out in the outback and you picked out in the outback <laughs> are you kind of an outdoors I, are you an outdoors person I'm, to begin I'm definitely with? an outdoors person 100 i grew up on a farm um and spent a lot of my childhood outside and and even now um you know as an adult like i love being outside i i i don't like being inside i don't like being like my i hate being in a hotel where there's no window like i just i like to be outside i like to have the air i like to be able to stand on the floor um you know and, and obviously in my in my career i get to go to really beautiful places and experience you know lovely hotels and things like that but i still love just being outside <laughs> yeah now you're kind of you're a little bit of a rock star in Australia, aren't you? A little bit, yeah. Go, oh. You go out and people know who you are. Or, in in and, uh, yeah, in certain places, yes, but no, I yeah. wouldn't consider not not like Anna. Anna's a big star, but not I'm not as big of a star as Anna. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, she's uh, a big. It's, it's hard yeah. from you know from across yeah, the yeah. ocean here to know who's who's the real who's got the <laughs> who's got all the uh, what is that the street cred and the clout yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I've, I've got if you follow like car racing in Australia you you would people know, know who you are yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's cool though you're you're definitely in a cool little industry and uh, it's I think it's picking up right don't you feel like fast cars fast bikes especially formula one ever since the show yeah. um i think it's called formula one on netflix right is really brought brought in and brought in all those non turned a bunch of yeah yeah, yeah. New fans, right? yeah yeah like i think when when formula one got got bought by by the americans and and like they've done the netflix tv shows like the the drivers have become real big like they're rock stars you know they're yeah they're, cut through into, you know, the, the mainstream media. And, you know, I know I've got friends who have never, ever followed car racing before. And, and now they're, you know, they're experts because they've watched, they've watched their Netflix show and, <laughs> and which is great. It's great for all of our industry because yeah. um, people have, are showing, you know, an interest in, in car racing. It's only, it's only good for us. Yeah, I've just now started kind of paying attention, to be honest. I've always enjoyed driving fast, whether it was a car or a motorcycle. Um, in fact, I posted a couple of videos and I lost like a thousand followers and they told me I was immature, but I was like, whatever. I still enjoy it <laughs> going fast. Um, uh, all right. So, you know, starting with, you know, you say you grew up on a farm, then what? You grew up on a farm and how did you get into journalism and, you know, being in front of cameras um so my story is probably a little bit different to most like yeah i grew up in a very humble um family and and my, my mom's a nurse and my, and my dad did various different jobs and obviously was you know farmhand when we had the farm and always an outdoor person he never had an office job like he was not an office job guy he was an outdoor guy building or shooting or like all different types of things and um I, like as i said i dancing was my background as a kid and that was my my hobby and my passion and I always thought I was going to be performing somewhere. Like I did musical theaters and I did drama and productions and stuff like that. And so my dream was that I was going to be behind a camera or on a stage or something, you know, something like that. Um, and, and the motorsport part, I just fell into, I was doing, I want to say modeling, but it wasn't really, um, at, you know, as an early teen. And, um, and then I, I actually, won this competition in Australia, which is called, which was at the time called Miss V8 Supercar. So um, it's essentially like a beauty pageant type thing for the supercars. And I, and I won that. And then um, part of winning that competition was the next year I traveled to all of the car racing events as like 
an ambassador and I did, you know, would stand up there and talk about the sport. And, and then when I finished that, which I was, I was uh, 18, I think, um, I said I wanted to work in, in the entertainment industry. I wanted to be in television and could I do some work experience? Um, and that's basically where it started. And I started doing work experience with the TV here uh, with V8 Supercars and over the years, just like worked your yeah, way up, worked my way up. And, and, and I had no background in motorsport. I didn't know what supercars was. I was very, very, you know, like I was very stereotypical of a beauty pageant girl. I had long blonde hair and, you know, like had come from this, you know, modeling <laughs> background and all of a sudden I'm talking about cars and, and, you know, this, I'm talking like 15 years ago. So back then it was very male dominated, you know, middle-aged men who, you know, were car racing fans. And so that, that early period of my career was pretty hot, pretty tricky because they, you know, the, the, the general fan didn't particularly want this young 19 year old, long blonde hair, beauty pageant girl talking about cars. Like it just didn't, Mm-hmm. you know like it was wasn't the thing um and then you know obviously over the years there's you know more more women have become involved and you know I think I've you know um gained a fair bit of respect you know for knowing what I know and and it's yeah it kind of just led me to being in the position I am in now which is one of um you know one of the main reporters in in the the championship and done lots of different things through over the years with, with car racing and, and in the motor and just motor space. So yeah, it's kind of just, yeah, it kind of was just a bit of a sliding doors moment. That's now, you know, formed a career. Yeah, no, that's great. And it's like, take advantage of those opportunities that you, uh, you know, that are sitting right in front of you. And I think a lot of people miss that, you know, or they don't say, Hey, I want to do that right there. And yeah. I think you're kind of a great example of someone there. You saw it and you just, we're like, yeah, that'll work. I'll go after that. That's cool. It's interesting. And then once you're in, that's when the hard work begins, right? And then you start, you know, beating your way to the top. And uh, yeah. yeah, good on you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, you know, like the, those early years, um, you know, social media was pretty it was pretty volatile. Like, you know, I was trolled heavily and, and you know, copped a huge amount of backlash and, um, lots of people within the industry sort of said, you know, I'd, I'd never make it because, you know, women just don't do these types of roles. And, and so, you know, I think, um, those early years, I, it was, would have been easy for me to go, this is all too hard. Um, you know, I'll yeah. do something else. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I was, I was lucky. I had some really good people around me and, and that, that believed in me and, and, um, and in a way in my head, it was always, um, a case of like, I'll prove you wrong type thing. Like you tell me I can't and I'll do it 10 times better and worked really hard and, um, you know, have always had to probably work that bit harder because, you know, you, no one wants to say, but, you know, when you're not a former racing car driver and, you, and you're a woman, like you have to know your staff because you don't yeah, get you do. answers type thing. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I feel wow. like I'm doing a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah. You're obviously, you've, you're uh... – you know, you still got a job. So that means you're doing a good job. Um, the Now, have you, I'm, I'm guessing you've been in plenty of race cars at this point and you've actually been able to run them around the track. And if, you know, seeing you on social media, you're like the whole family's kind of sort of involved, like right? where your husband, I mean, so go through that. It's pretty cool. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I've never myself had an interest in race, in driving or racing. Like that's yeah. just not something I, I don't need to do that. I'm happy to, to talk about every, you know, talk about the drivers and the teams and all that stuff. I don't, I don't have an interest in racing, but my husband is, is a racing car driver here in Australia. So he's in the supercar championship, which is what I work on. Um, and we've been together for a long time. <laughs> we met obviously at work, um, and yeah, and, and I don't know, I suppose after all these years, it's, you know, like all of our friends are in the industry and, and it's, it's kind of like you live and breathe bit to because we do here in Australia. It's kind of like what we talk about every day, what we do every day. Um, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it's, I don't it's know. your life. Yeah. It's, it's, it's our life. Yeah. 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 Uh, that makes yeah. sense. Well, I mean, that's kind of cool though. I mean, I'm sure it gets, maybe, does it get old? It's just like anything, right? Sometimes it gets older. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly like, yeah. I feel like there's two parts of my life. One part is obviously heavy motorsport, you know, industry type thing. And then other parts of my life, I'm like, I just want to watch the Kardashians and not have to think and (laughs) zone out, zone out. And, and yeah, there's certainly times where I'll say to Will, my husband, I'm like, I don't want to talk about cars. I don't want to watch cars. I just want to like watch this stupid shit on TV and not have to (laughs) talk about cars. But, you know, inevitably, you know, every day there's, there's conversations about, you know, car racing and and black racing and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Right, right. I get it. Um, okay, so moving out of car racing, so we don't torture you with that topic. Um, <laughs> let's move into something. Okay, it's the same but different. What is there been a dangerous moment for you um, in the pit on the track where you're like, "Holy shit, that was close." Do you have a good little um, crazy story or not? Like not one story in particular, but but definitely. I mean, pit lane. Um, which is where the cars come in to 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 change tires or, or fuel up on that sort of stuff um, is is a dangerous environment. Like it's you know we're we're in there. We've got we have um, noise cancelling um, earphones in, and that we're listening to the commentary. But obviously, that cancels out you know, you know a lot of the noise that's around within the pit mm-hmm. lane. So you really have to have your wits about you because the cars are coming in. Um, they're, they're, they're restricted to 40 kilometers an hour, but you know, 40 kilometers an hour is still fast when a car's coming towards you. So, um, yeah. you certainly have to, to be aware of your surroundings. You always have to have an eye, um, you know, looking where, where you are and, and, and not just the cars, the equipment is dangerous. Um, we had uh, two years ago now, um, we had a very, very large fire, um, when a car was getting filled with fuel during a race. Um, and, and people, um, often ask why us as TV presenters wear a fireproof suit. And that was the perfect example of why we have to wear, um, a fireproof suit during a race, because I was probably only, I don't know, I want to say five meters away from an enormous fireball, which was the whole car was engulfed, um, right up to the second floor of, of the pit building, um, and that was a really, really dangerous and scary moment um, for all of us. And and fortunately, everybody was okay and no one was, you know, injured. But, um, you know, there's, there's times like that where you think for a long time or it's it's easy and you can kind of be quite blasé and then all of a sudden, you know, your attention is caught because, like, there was an incident which, you know, is could have been, could have been, you know, fatal. It could have been, it could have been a lot worse than what it was. So, there's certainly yeah periods in our in our role which can be very very dangerous. We're we're pretty lucky in the sense that you know um, 
there's rules and regulations in place to keep everything as safe as possible. But, um, you know, on your card, when you walk in, it's just swipe yourself in. It says motorsport is dangerous and, you know, we are not responsible for anything that happens. So, uh, um, You're on you know, your own. Yeah, exactly. You know, things can happen and, you know, we've had some pretty frightening accidents um, in the years that I've been working with, you know, um, on the track with, you know, big car crashes and, and, and people have been hurt and, and so it's definitely safe, but there are certainly times when you realize, okay, this, this is a dangerous sport, um, you know, and people get killed and people get injured. And, um, you know, I don't think we can take for granted um, that that can happen at any time. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And then what I hear you saying is awareness is key because once one of your senses is taken away, like hearing, now you're relying on your sight primarily like, okay, how are other people reacting right now? And what's going on around me, keeping your head on a swivel and paying attention to what the hell's going on. And what's funny is that applies to just about everything, you know? So, um, that's good stuff. And it's a, I'm sure that's a crazy adrenaline environment. We will be right back after the break. Hey everyone, I have a new 50% off promo code for you. It is CYSTP50 at factormeals.com. Factor sent me a bunch of no prep meals that I really enjoyed for my lunch. The Factor meals were a perfect solution for me for fast premium options with no cooking required. I strongly recommend giving them a try and I have a 50% off promo code if you do. Factor meals taste great and are no prep, no mess. So they're ready to heat and eat with no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I also really enjoyed the wellness shots. Take advantage of this 50% off. Head to factormeals.com slash CYSTP50 and use code CYSTP50 to get 50% off. That's code CYSTP50 at factormeals.com slash CYSTP50 to get 50% off. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Outside of racing, have you had any dangerous situations, you know, just on a vacation or, you know, um, Anna, I want you to beat Anna's story. Anna Heinrich had this story. And those of you that haven't listened to it, go listen to it because there's a lot of lessons learned where she was, you know, she was young and she gets on a boat and then the boat driver's like, turn. well, he turns off the motor. It's her and her friend. And then he's like, take your clothes off. And they're in the middle of the ocean at night. <laughs> you know, it's a yeah. great story. Yeah. And there's a lot of lessons learned in that. But have yeah. you had any crazy moments? Um, yeah, I think back to, so I worked, this is this is a tangent, but I worked as a nurse. Um, I, I went to university and got my nursing degree and, and worked as a nurse for a period of time because I felt that I needed to have a real job in case the TV life, you know, suddenly <laughs> disappeared. Um, <laughs> And, yeah. and working, so I worked in the emergency department when I was working and there was certainly um, times during that, 
you know, during those years where, you know, we'd have patients who would be drug affected or alcohol affected or, or you know, mentally unstable and, and you know, um, there was times when, you know, like you, you, you felt unsafe and, and yeah. even though you an environment where, you know, technically you should be safe, there was certainly times when I felt unsafe and one in particular, which happened after work, I'd finished a evening shift. So I was, must've been about nine thirty, ten 10 o'clock at night. Um, I had to like where our cars were parked was, was quite a walk. So I had to walk to my car, got in my car and I was driving home and I, I just, had this sense that the car behind me was following me and, and it, you know, like you sort of second guess, you're like, is that, are they really following me? Or they just happened to be going down the same street. And, and, and I actually just knew in my gut that, that something was wrong. And I, um, st- and then I thought, well, I'm not going to go directly home. I'll just go a different way. And I started going down streets that you wouldn't drive down those streets unless you were needing to go that way and this car continued to follow me and wow. and it got more and more intense and and I knew I knew that 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 100% this car was following me so I rang and my husband will um was away at the time he does a lot of traveling and he wasn't home and so I rang I think I rang my mum because we you always ring your mum <laughs> and <laughs> was like I'm, I'm getting followed this car's following me and and obviously you know you're starting to panic and I was you know really really scared um, and she just said, call the police. So I hung up, hung up to her and I called, you know, triple zero and, and said that somebody was following me. And, and then it was, it was very obvious at this point that they were following me and they, and they kept coming right up to my car. And then I was screaming on the phone to the police, like asking what to do. And they said, they were going to stay on the phone, never hang up, but like direct, they were directing me to the local police station. And then I, I remember coming up to a set of traffic lights and they were red and, I was like, I don't know what to do because I don't want to stop at the traffic lights. And the police were like, just go through the lights. Just don't worry about the red, like ensure that it's safe, but keep going. Like, do not stop your car, which I did. And, you know, I suppose to put it in context, it's like, you know, 10, 30, 11 at night, you know, I'm alone in these dark streets and there's a car following me and, and, and I was terrified. And, um, mm-hmm. and the car then started getting a bit more aggressive and it was like coming right up and like hitting the back of my car and and by this time making I was, con- I, it was making so, contact with your yeah, bumper. making contact and i i'd lost i'd lost everything by this point i was like not not calm not cool wow and eventually i i remember turning into the street and i could see the police station and then this car just like sped off and um you know like you know because i obviously you know realized what i was doing and, and i i parked my car in the police station and i just ran in screaming like crying my eyes out um and and i I do remember I had my pen in my pocket because obviously I'd come from work and I scribbled down the number plate on my ah. hand. And um, and anyway, yeah, then, you know, filed a police report and all that sort of stuff. And and I don't think in my life I'd ever been so terrified at, at that time. And, and it, for what felt like hours was probably only, you know, maybe 15 minutes, but it was it was horrible, a horrible experience. And, um. Yeah, just just being, feeling so vulnerable um, was was a really awful feeling at the time. Now, do you think you were targeted? Like they knew, hey, they did you ever get the backstory? Was this someone who had Sorry. been in the ER and no, saw I you ne- and decided? I never did, and I I was unsure whether it was just a random because you know, like there had been there had been stories of 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 
young women in that car park getting harassed or whether it was a former patient. I don't know. I don't know any of the story and I could probably make up stories in my head. But, yeah, um, yeah it just – and I suppose it just – again, it was a bit of a, a realisation and a wake-up call. Like, you know, you need to be a bit more self-aware. Like, you're walking in a, in a dark car park, leaving a hospital. Like, that. you know, you're in a vulnerable commit, you know, position and – yeah. Man, there's a lot of lessons learned in there. And what's interesting is you did a lot of right, all the right things. Number one, listen to your gut. You listen yeah. to your instincts, which a lot of people ignore it. Um, but in order to, you know, listen to your gut, you have to be paying attention to what's going on. Because if you would have mm -hmm. never actually been checking your rearview mirror, checking your mirrors as regular as you were, then you would have never noticed that someone was going the same route as you. And mm -hmm. then then you start doing that, you know, process of elimination, like with your turns, you start stair stepping through a neighborhood mm -hmm. and they're stair stepping with you. I mean, that is guaranteed that, you know, they're following you. So you did your own like process of elimination um, pattern of life. You know, I talk about it all the time on here. Your pattern of life is the is that routine you set each day. The problem with it is that routine if watched by a bad guy they learn it too then they know what your what your vulnerabilities are and yeah. the vulnerabilities for most people is always the same it's going to be either driveway at your home the parking lot at your favorite place you go to or gym every day or that parking lot at work i mean those yeah. are all points of attack um and paying attention to your pattern of life uh and the goal is to make it irregular yeah. You don't, you know, if you're turning on lights at, you know, let's say 5 a.m. to get ready every morning, that is, you're just talking directly to a bad guy, right? So it's like the simplest things is don't turn on your lights at 5 a.m., right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. change up the timing yeah. on some stuff and change up the time in which you leave, change up the time in which you show up, you know? And the other thing, you know, that you didn't have to deal with, but dialed into all this is social media, you know, always give yourself 24 to 72 hours before you post. Don't post real time and let everybody know where you're at. Um, I like the fact that, you know, not stopping at red lights, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't do that even when uh, I don't have anybody follow me. I just drive through red lights. I mean, if it's safe, I'm like, fuck it, I'm going. You know, I don't have time for this shit. <laughs> um, you know, make calling the cops, right? And letting the cops, you know, direct you straight to them. You know, so any of uh, any of you young ladies, you know, listen to this. You know, these are all, you know, listen to that story again because Rihanna, Rihanna just gave you the formula to surviving it. And take time to remember those license plates, vehicle characteristics, what color, you know, if there's anything that stands out like a dent, you know, you make contact with you. So that's a good I mean, that leaves a mark both on both vehicles, um, you know, which is evidence later. But uh, man, that's a good story. Yeah, I think you beat. Re I think you beat. I was about to say you beat Rihanna. You beat Anna. You guys were all the same to me. <laughs> well, we were very confusing on the, yeah, on the show. It, definitely on the show. It took like, I don't know, half the time for me to get it right. Like, okay, which number is who again? Fuck. Um, you guys look, got, got all the same characteristics. Okay. Uh, yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's, that's really good. And that's what this show is all about is, you know, getting that information out there. Um, yeah. Let's see here. So, you know, you've gone dancer to nurse, nurse, TV, okay. journalist. You uh, completed and won SAS and Ironmans. 
Fuck. You kind of do it all. Uh, so what's next? You got other challenges you're planning or what do you got going on now? Yeah, I, I like to say I'm, I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. I just do every, just do everything, but just not nothing particularly well. <laughs> but, um, next, I don't, I don't know. Like everyone, so my, I don't know. I think I suppose through my social media, I share a lot of of what I do, and you know, I've people have followed me and they've seen me compete in you know like half Ironmans and Ironmans and a half marathons and like all these types of things. And I'm always doing something, and yeah. you know, whether it be a big swim or a run or whatever and so everyone's like what's next what's next and I'm, and to be perfectly honest um so so the last couple of years and it's probably not until recently i've really i suppose reflected where i i went through probably the hardest moment of my life when so covid hit and um, i lost my job and my husband lost his job and 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 my dad died and um, oh, yeah. the circumstances right. around my dad dying was, was really, really hard um, because of uh, in Australia, we were under COVID restrictions and, and traveling between states was, was not, um, was not allowed. So that, that was a really tough time. And then I suppose um, there was, you know, there was complications after that. And then, and then I started training for Ironman because in my head, I, I was in a pretty dark hole and I needed something to get me out. So that was sort of the reason I did the Ironman. I did that. And then not too long after that, I got the call to, to do SAS. So I started training for SAS and, and, and did that. And then the back end of last year, like after SAS finished, I, I was probably not in a great way. Like I wasn't in a good place um, mentally or physically. I just think as we spoke about before, like the, I was running on adrenaline and I'd done this SAS thing and, and it'd been so amazing. And, and I was, I did have a lot of physical injuries afterwards and I was kind of just like running, 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 running. And then all of a sudden my body like is like kind of almost telling me like, you need to just, you need to, something needs to give. And, and it was kind of me, it was like physically and mentally, I just needed to, to just stop and yeah. yeah, take a break and, and heal and, and not feel the pressure to like do something or, or be doing something. And then, and then I kind of didn't want to, like, I was really in a place where like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to train. I don't want to get up. I just want to like, I just want to just do nothing. Um, and it's probably not until only in the last couple of months where I've really been like, okay, like I'm, I'm good. Like, I feel like I'm in a really good place. Like I feel my body has healed. I I'm, I'm motivated to, to do something else. And, and it's, and it, but it has taken, it's taken time for me to get to this place and, and I probably, it's probably a bit of my own, um, my own, I don't know, like personality of be, always needing to be doing something. So that was hard to have that, like, okay, it's okay not to be doing, it's okay not to be pushing yourself 110% every day. So you can, mm -hmm. you can stop for a bit. And now I'm probably, okay, well, I'm ready to like tackle the next challenge and, and what can that look like? And, and, you know, so and long story, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm only really into that place now. <laughs> no, that's still good information. You're figuring it out. And, uh, I mean, you hit on once again, good stuff, human performance, you know, recovery is the most important aspect. You have your nutrition, you have the workout itself, you have sleep, and then you've got true recovery outside of sleep because sleep mm -hmm. is definitely important and part of recovery, but um, taking a break and resetting is certainly an important piece of not just physical health, but mental health. And, mm. you know, so 
obviously you needed it and it's good that you took it. And, yeah. uh, I did the same. I came back from SES and I was like, I'm not working out. Like I, <laughs> I was just, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do nothing for a little while. And I literally did nothing. I mean, I still work, but I didn't yeah. like yeah. my workouts sucked. They weren't regular, you know, and it wasn't until recently for me as well, where everything's, you know, you know, cylinders are going full, <laughs> full, full thrust again, you know, and it's, yeah. uh, and it's nice because it make what the one thing I, I do, I think everyone should do if you're a big workout enthusiast and you're doing it all the time. And if you want to maintain that momentum, maintain that motivation, it's the breaks that allow you to maintain it. You take a week off and you eat bad that you will go right back to yeah. <laughs> why eating good and working yeah. out is important <laughs> um, yeah. because you take it for granted. You know, it's like if you do it long enough, you start to go, eh, it's the same old, you know, it's meat and yeah. avocado and I got to go work out and it sucks. Yeah. And but, you know, you take a moment and eat a donut or two, then you're good to go because you'll uh, you'll yeah. be ready for the next workout and the next healthy meal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I just um I think I needed that. I think, I, I think even just from a mental point of view, I needed to not feel like I, you know, looking at my diary and like, okay, tomorrow I've got to do this and I've got to get up and do a, a run. I've got to get up and go for a swim. Like I, I just needed that time. Just like, you know what? I, I, there's no pressure. Like if I feel like doing a swim, I'll do a swim. If I don't, well, like I'm not going to, you know, get yeah. you know, be whole myself type thing about it. And, um, and then, and then I'll work out what to do next. And and I really want to do Everest Base Camp. <laughs> That's yeah. on my list. But I've got to work out how I can fit that into my life. <laughs> that would be cool. And you got to yeah. rack up about $70,000 of sponsorship money. Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it seems like a lot of people do that somehow. I'm always like, how do people exactly. go rally up that much cash to go, yeah. you know, it's not even to summit. It's just to get to base camp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. That's exactly. awesome. I think great. that's a, yeah, that's a great, that's a great goal. Go for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. We could probably go on forever, but it is time for your hypothetical oh, survival <laughs> scenario. Okay. So are you ready, Rihanna? I will do my best. I feel like yep. I'm I'm not mentally training for SAS, but I'll do my I'll do what I can. We will be right back after the break. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy Captain, let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. So you'll be glad to know that I don't know what your scenario is and we kind of do it together. But the important piece is whatever's written down is the right answer is on my side. So, you know, <laughs> you you're going to have to deal with the right answers. OK, here we go. Uh, for this scenario, you have been paid to host a grand opening event at a brand new theme park in the Mojave Desert mm -hmm. that offers some of the biggest roller coasters in the world. Sounds crazy. Um, mm -hmm. This theme park has flown you in a day early, and you asked that you come, and they asked if you could come to the park and check it out a day before hosting the event. Um, they are having a soft opening for friends and family 
of the park to check it out a day before the opening, okay? So there will be patrons there, okay? Before heading to the park, do you, A, wear closed-toed shoes and minimal jewelry, or B, choose a more stylish photo-op-ready outfit complete with fashionable accessories? <laughs> what does Rihanna do? Well, I always have to wear closed-toed shoes, so that's what I would be doing. <laughs> and... Mm. Um, Good answer. Okay, you're coming out of the gate swinging. Good job. Minimal jewelry. I mean, it's a theme park. Like, is there? There is no reason to get all. No. You know, you said Kardashian, so you don't want to get all Kardashian, (laughs) right? Um, Yes, I'm a I'm a big believer in closed-toed shoes because, well, you always need to be able to run or fight. That's kind of how I look at it. Um, So, upon arriving to the theme park. You walk past a cart selling Camelback hydration packs. Are you familiar with Camelback? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and did you know that they've kind of since like not necessarily? I think they were bought up, or they're not even in business anymore. Because my buddy exactly. just bought their mo- took their mo- their uh, motto, hydrate or die. It was it was available, and he went and grabbed what? it for like through the patent office for like a, like a hundred bucks. <laughs> but anyway. Um, do you a buy a hydration pack or b save your money and go ahead and get a funnel cake and a beer instead (laughs) the mojave desert um yeah well obviously i need the hydration because hydrate or die when you're in the desert (laughs) (laughs) even at a theme park yeah good answer okay they're gonna get progressively harder here okay? okay you're getting lucky right now you're not getting lucky you're just getting the easy ones okay Hydration is no joke, especially when you're in a dry desert. Heat, where it is easy to forget how quickly you are losing water. So, you buy the hydration pack. Uh, The sponsors of the event ask if you would take a ride on the biggest, fastest, most intense roller coaster at the park. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is this? The the Takata Subo. What the fuck? I don't even remember. What the? I can't even pronounce it. Okay. A word that refers to literally being scared to death. Okay. It must be a Japanese word. Um, As you approach the entrance, you are asked to stand in front uh, of the height requirement sign. (laughs) Okay. The attendant informs you uh, that you are at the cusp of the height line requirement. Okay. You are a hair below the requirement. Okay, Mm -hmm. and the sponsors insist it's okay, it's fine, you're not going to fall out of your chair, Mm -hmm. and they encourage you to do the ride anyways. All right, so do you a ignore the height line requirement and get on the ride like the sponsors asked, or b follow the height line requirement and refuse to ride this roller coaster? Um, I say refuse because I've seen enough videos on YouTube of like <laughs> people flying out of roller coasters, and I know that's not it's funny. horrible. Did you see that latest one where it's like a, it's the one that goes vertical and then it drops, and that kid oh, yeah. just you yeah. hear his whole body smack, and it's just horrible because he ended up dying, and it's uh. But yeah, you think you know? I always think in my mind like, what's the worst that could happen? Like, surely you're not gonna die but then 
people people have like it's yeah they do (laughs) yeah people have been flung out of these things it's crazy so correct b is the correct answer follow the heightline requirements people okay you go to these theme parks and stuff i mean just you don't know how if they're really maintained you know um i don't know what the governing authority on theme parks are but whoever they are they're not doing a good job so stick to the rules that they have all right you refuse to ride but as you're walking away, one of the sponsors grabs you at uh, gra- grabs a park employee, and they bring out a shorter height requirement sign just for you. <laughs> they claim this is the real requirement, and it's fine to ride. All right, with some apprehension, and you're kind of like, "What the fuck?" You end up taking the ride. Okay, you've been bullied into it. Yeah. Once you're in your seat, do you A, stash your phone and secure the seatbelt and harness as best you can, or B, keep your phone out and secure the seatbelt and harness loosely enough that you can, you know, wiggle a room, wiggle your arm around enough to get that selfie that you desire? Obviously, secure everything. <laughs> Got the seatbelt is done up. I mean, there are sadly people in this world who think that a selfie is more important than, than safety. Uh, than safety. But, and yeah. I think that's the exact point that we're trying to make here. Okay, <laughs> do all the safety stuff, and if and if it feels like a straight jacket and you can't get your uh, get your camera up, that's okay. All right, that's okay. They sell pictures when you get done with the ride. Pay the twenty five dollars for the digitized horrible photo that they offer. (laughs) All right, so good answer. Yes, you secure your stuff and your harness. Then you go from about zero to one hundred and twenty eight miles per hour in a jaw dropping three point seven second drop. Okay, Mm -hmm. your heart is in your throat. You approach the ride's climax. A straight shot up to 90 or what is it 90 degrees followed by a plummeting you know straight down into a 270 degree spiral once you get to the top all right you pass over the top and you're about to plummet down when the ride jerks to a stop <laughs> you are stuck at nearly 450 feet in the air Okay. You have now been suspended in the air eh, 30 minutes. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like, this sucks. Your harness has, you know, come loose and you feel as if you might slip right out of the ride. Okay. Oh boy. Especially if you move an inch, you're probably going to slip because it's hot, it's sweaty, uh, and everything feels far more secure when you're dry right Mm -hmm. so do you a stay perfectly still and hope that the belt and the harness will keep you securely in place or b carefully attempt to fix the problem and tighten your damn seatbelt? oh god that's tricky (laughs) Um, (laughs) probably stay secure don't move um, as much as it would be a temptation to move and fix mm-hmm. if you if you are secure yeah if you think you're secure i think just leave it if 
You think you're secure, but you're going to slip if you move. Huh? <laughs> All right. Well, that's wrong according to the piece of paper. Oh, really? B, B, carefully attempt to go ahead and save your own life. I mean, that's really what the answer is, um, Wait, especially if you feel like you're going to... You, if they said if you move, it's going to come undone. <laughs> that's a trick Well, let me see here. Stay perfectly still and hope that the belt and harness will keep you secure, securely in place. That's that's A. Stay perfectly still and hope. Okay, okay. We're living on hope. Hope is not a plan. Hope okay. is not a plan, yeah. Rihanna. All yeah. right. Okay, so, all right. That's all right. You missed one. That's okay. Um, yes, hoping for the best is not likely to save your life in any situation, especially this one. You carefully and slowly maneuver the belt into a more secure position and yeah. grip onto that harness. The passenger... <clears throat> Sorry, of the harness of the passenger next to you for extra safety, right? Mm. So you're grabbing those secure things in order to then secure yourself more so. All right. So finally, the ride starts coasting again. You're almost down to ground level until <laughs> the cart you are riding in jerks sharply to the left and disconnects from the rest of the carts. What the hell? <laughs> Disconnected from the others, your cart slow slows to a stop with the front half hanging slightly off the tracks. Mm -hmm. You are close enough to the ground that you could probably safely crawl out and down to the track. However, the ride is still moving. And the and another cart is speeding away from the starting point of the ride. Okay? Mm -hmm. So the next ride has already begun, but yet now you're hanging out on the track. Do you <laughs> A remain in your seat and assume someone will notice and turn off the ride so the cart behind you doesn't come crashing into you? Or B Wiggle yourself out of the harness and belt and make a speedy escape down the tracks and to the ground as soon as possible. Well, I don't think you can assume anyone's going to help you. I feel like you need to take control of your own go. destiny and yes. wiggle yourself out and hope you're not going to get run over. Good job. You have survived this podcast. And we'll never go on a roller coaster ever again. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Those things are kind of sketchy. I don't know what it is, but I get on them anyway, and I'm always like, is this that one? Is this going to be the time that yeah. you know you end well, up in that YouTube video? To be fair, a lot of I had a lot of that in my head at, in SAS. So I was like, Look, it's a TV show. Like, are they really going to let us die? And then there was times where I was like, to, to be honest, they might. <laughs> like, I think, I think they might let us die. You want to you hear something scary? On the, oh, on the other side, <laughs> us as instructors were like, these guys are going to die. <laughs> I don't, man, I hope nobody dies today. Jesus. Like, Look, there's a lot of paperwork that is involved if someone dies. It's going to be bad for the network. But there were certainly times where you're like, 
how how safe is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of had the same thoughts. I hate to say that, but I mean, you know, you guys were doing high risk stuff, and uh, you had us managing that those high risk events, and you know, I I lend it back to years and years of training that stuff I thought I forgot. I mean, immediately came back to the surface and I was on it. So were any of you really going to die? No fucking way. There's no yeah. way the, any of the four of us were going to let anything like that happen. Um, yeah. And it, it proved that, you know, I think I told you this at the beginning, like special operations, man. It's like if you've done it long enough, everything is muscle memory. You think you've forgotten it. It comes back. And I remember the moment when I realized it was when you guys had to climb up the waterfall, right? Yeah. That ladder up the waterfall. Yeah. And uh, and I remember I got called, you know, real quick. An aunt or somebody was like, hey, man, can make sure all their harnesses are good. And I was like, mm -hmm. huh? <laughs> like, I hadn't, I hadn't repelled or done anything in a little while. And when you're doing rope work and you're dealing with harnesses and carabiners and all, I mean, all that hardware, it's it's a perishable skill, right? And if you're not doing it on a regular basis, it's real easy. Uh, well, what I thought was to forget it, but the reality was I didn't immediately. I was, you know, it came to the surface, like, you know, that most, the most important aspect is that waistline and making sure that waist belt is above your iliac crest. Because if you flip upside down, that's, the, that's going to keep you in the harness more than like the leg straps or anything else. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, none of you were going to die. Not on our watch. No <laughs> doubt about it. We'd probably kill ourselves before we allowed you guys yeah, to die. Yeah. But I, I do, I do think like, um, you know, like I hadn't done any abseiling or rock climbing. Like I think I did it once when I was in school and you just go, okay, like you've given us this fairly short brief and then it's like, go do that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like, particularly that very last challenge when it was, you know, down to the three of us before we passed selection. And, and like that wall was basically vertical. That was insane. <laughs> and, that was insane. To think like we fucking climbed, like I, I climbed that fucking wall. <laughs> like how the, how the hell? You scaled it. You guys like, scaled that thing <laughs> to get to, you know, the piece of equipment stuck yeah. on the side. Yeah. I mean. And, you know, like I think, you know, like just, yeah. It, and, it, and it really does go to show that, um, you know, like if, if you mentally are there, you can, you can do, you know, your, your body will fail before your mind fails, you know, and then you just got to be strong in the mind. And, and you know, that's, that's what right. I learned most out of, you know, out of everything we did. Yeah. You guys crushed it. The three of you. I mean, Jesus, just awesome. Um, well, Hey, good job with SAS. Good job with the Ironman. Good job with all of your uh, accomplishments thus far. I wish you the best on whatever you choose in the future. And uh, let everybody know where they can find you, follow you, and uh, and watch your watch you uh, you know crush your next challenge. Um, mostly just on Instagram. That's probably where I you know post the most and keep people up to date with what I'm doing. It's just my name, Rihanna Crean. Um, and anything that I'll be doing in the future will be on Instagram. <laughs> That's right. And and so also, where can people now watch? I think now um, SAS can be watched. I, I think it can be watched from anywhere, right? It was yeah, there was a then, VPN issue, and now I think it's on the the uh, Channel Seven website. The full yeah, series. Yeah, so there's, there's it's called Seven Plus, like number Seven Plus, um, and all of the SAS, all of us 
all series of SAS Australia are on there. And I'm, I believe um, it's on YouTube as well. Um, oh, okay. International yeah. as well to be able to watch. Because, um, yeah, that, I know a lot because yeah, Tupacars are in, in New Zealand. So there was a lot of people in New Zealand who wanted to watch it and, and that they were able to watch it that way so there you go all right there you go listeners if uh you want to learn more about rihanna and see how tough she is go check out ses on channel 7 plus australia app or their youtube channels or you just search it and i'm sure you'll find it um and, and, you and get twins to... as well his debut in television <laughs> in Australia <laughs> yeah. was you know first first time to be hosting a show and, and yeah. it's amazing you you were awesome oh thanks um okay well hey thanks for coming on you survived. You did a great job. And like I like I always say, okay, keep it simple because crisis will complicate the rest. And until next time, be safe out there. Can You Survive This Podcast is a production of Calvary Audio, recorded live from a secure location here in Dallas, Texas, produced by Brandon Morgan, Jeff Apple, and Clint Emerson, executive produced by Keegan Rosenberger and Dana Brunetti. For Calvary Audio, I'm Clint Emerson. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.